Well, welcome all you wiretappers out there back here in the studio of Gangland Wire and here with my good friend, uh, retired ATF agent, Ignacio Esteban. Welcome, Ignacio. Hey, Gary. Thanks for having me again. I enjoyed being out here and talking to your audience. Really? You, uh, you're becoming a, a frequent contributor to this. <laughs> uh, I enjoy it. I really enjoy it. I never good, thought yeah. I'd be doing this. A year ago, I was at ATF headquarters and look at, look at this now. I have 40, yeah, really. 40 books and I'm doing all these shows and I really enjoy it. I like it. And, and folks, he's got a ton of books out there. Here's what I suggest and I'll put a link in the uh, show notes and uh, the YouTube notes. Uh, to the uh, Ignacio Esteban Amazon page, and, and you'll Thank find you. a bunch of, of real reasonable books about from one end of crime to the other, a lot of organized crime stuff. We've done a story on the Yakuza, which is not out yet, and uh, we did one on, uh, all of a sudden, I forgot what the other one was on, Ignacio. What, my, what, my, my autobiography, we right, did yeah. undercover. Right. I think you can see. I think you see the little poster cover behind me. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just barely, just barely. So, uh, yeah, ATF make undercover. It, make it a bigger. And, and we've talked about everything between from the one percenters to La Cosa Nostra. Uh, so we we we've talked a lot a bit. Uh, so if you like organized crime politics too, I do yeah, some politics. Yeah, so yeah, we got a little bit of fiction to nonfiction, travel books, you name it, I put it out there. <laughs> just go to that Amazon page, Ignacio yep. Esteban. <laughs> Thank you. Thank cool you. name, by the way, Esteban. <laughs> yeah, I, I, if it was Estefan, it'll be a, a different situation, huh? I mean, the music business. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> what did they call you as an agent? Did you have a nickname? Uh, my friends call me Iggy. Iggy, okay, all right. That's that sounds like something coppers would do to each other. <laughs> hey, yeah, Iggy, Iggy over I, here, I, I, and, and yeah, you got yeah. you got to be good with it, or you're screwed. Do, do not resist whatever nickname they give you. Oh, no, they, they called no. me the goat for a while at one place I worked at. <laughs> The goat, that's uh, like the great one, right? <laughs> I don't know. Great, yeah, <laughs> The greatest of all time. <laughs> this guy that gave it to me said that uh, I was a young detective and he said I didn't dress quite as, as slickly as he thought I should. So he started calling me the goat and it kind of stuck for a while. <laughs> gotcha, it, gotcha. It, mainly it was jinx, but, uh, <laughs> but, but there for a short period of time, this guy got me na- nailed as the goat. And he was my friend too, but he was kind of a jerk in a way. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Anyhow, you know, the stories from the uh, precinct, shall we say. But today, folks, this is going to be a special bonus episode. I'm going to throw this up between episodes, uh, give you a little more extra content. And it's, it's not going to be our normal, normal subject, particularly. And Iggy, Ignacio, and I got into this a little bit before. And that's the recent problem of mass shootings. And we had this most recent one, all this uh, stuff out of uh, of all day Texas and and how the police didn't react very well and uh, and, and so it's it's just it's a horrible thing it, it's like uh, we all want to do something in law enforcement uh, to make up for that but but just to do something to to prevent this in the future especially when they're shooting little kids that's what's a killer I, uh, Ignacio I mean that was just oh, I just wanted to cry I'll tell you right now I, uh, I'm a man I can oh. cry and it's hard. I have a daughter that's about that age, a younger daughter, and oh, I, yeah. I couldn't imagine going through that. Those those poor families are going to suffer for years. It's just oh, yeah. it's, it's horrible. Well, um, it, it it actually will never be over for them. Uh, I, no. I don't know enough about that losing a, a child, sibling, and and it's it, it's never really over for you. And then when it's ripped away from you, they're ripped away from you in such a horrible 
nonsensical way that, you know, you just can't make sense. You can make sense of cancer, you know, you make sense of a lot of things like that, but this, you, you can't, know, Oh, this is, this is unbelievable. This could have been prevented some ways. Come yeah, and stop. Can't make sense. And, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And, and Ignacio has a book. Uh, what's the title of that book? Um, the, the worst U S shootings in America and uh, what we can do to stop them from happening again. Right. And, and yeah. This is a modern day phenomenon. I, I don't know how far this goes back, but, uh, you know, certainly when they had muskets and you had to stop and reload uh, quite <laughs> often and, and people were a lot more self-sufficient back in the older days. Why uh, it didn't seem to happen. But this is more of a modern problem. So tell us, how did, how did you get interested in doing this book? Just because of all well, the it's it, it's, it, it's the same thing. Uh, I, I, I was. Uh, I was heartbroken to see what happened in Uvalde. And this is before I wrote this book in June. I, you know, this happened in, in May. It came out in June. But this video, the 77 minute video, I didn't see this until re- recently. Right. And right. I would have written a lot more if I would have seen this video, uh, you know, with the officers. It, it seemed like they, they, they had the impetus to go in there. It was four deep in the stack. Yeah. They were ready. They had the, the vest on, they had the guns. And they start taking fire and the guy had open fire. You got to confront the guy and they just pull back and just went back to the corners and they never tried it again. And it seemed like, you know, 77 minutes, uh, fortunately enough that uh, the Border Patrol came to the rescue, the, the attack team. And, you know, you want to wait for a SWAT team. Well, that's when the casualties happen. And they, and they could have they gone earlier. I think they could have saved some of those kids from bleeding out because they were bleeding out. That's yeah. a long time to be in yeah. there. And they should have gone out there and and like that one teacher, I don't know if your audience has a chance to see that interview, that the one teacher that survived in the classroom, two were murdered, and the, the 19 kids who were murdered, he, he does an unbelievable interview that he could hear the officers outside. He took three rounds already. He can't move. He's hiding under the desk, and he's seeing his students get executed by this madman, mm-hmm. and he couldn't do nothing about it. And he's saying, Crazy. you know, the, the, the police let him down. I mean, and he, he begged the parents, please not to blame him. He tried to do what he could to protect the kids, tell them to go in the corners, to hide what he could. But, of course, he, he's unarmed, and this guy comes in. And one of the teachers, when they walk in, as they know, shoots and says, good night, and shoots her in the head. Mm-hmm. And, and, and she goes down. Then it's, it's a house of horrors that happens after that. So really? what, what we've learned, what we can do, I uh, hope this, this discussion here, we can give some good ideas so we can go forward so we don't have to see this, especially at least at the schools where maybe we can fortify the schools better. I know the Congress just passed a law that the president signed that's supposed to get more funding for uh, resource officers because these schools, a lot of these schools don't have the funding to have anybody armed protected yeah. or a security person that doesn't have a gun or that's properly trained. Um, so that that's part of it. Um, I know we've talked before about arming teachers, right? Like the pilots yeah. after who can protect the cockpit and their passengers. Um, you know, a lot of these teachers, they, they love their students. Uh, you know, unlike, maybe unlike law enforcement, we saw it here in Uvalde. Uh, in Parkland, the same thing with the Broward County Sheriff's Office, the resource officer, you know, he had a pistol and this guy, uh, uh, Cruz, he had an AR-15 style rifle, right? Yeah. And you know, the radio went in, but he didn't want to go inside. But you had teachers jumping, trying to save students' lives and to tackle them, and they're getting killed. So mm-hmm. you, know, you have something. The, the teachers had nothing, right? Students had nothing. So uh, you hopefully you have the right people who are motivated, right, to do the right thing. You got to be motivated to do that. You, you have to be motivated because if, if, you're, if you're not and you, you have all the guns, that's why I think teachers, they love their students, right? And, and a lot of them do. I think they, they'll stand up and they'll fight for some guy, some person who's a madman shooter to uh, to protect their students and themselves. 
Um, and I think that's that's a good idea. I mean, if you have prior law enforcement, prior military, uh, you, you're a gun enthusiast, you want to take the classes, you want to do the training and, and a certain protocol, I'm, I'm not against it because it takes for police to respond. And if they do respond, they're going to set a perimeter and just let the guy shoot everybody until that's not going to work either, right? Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you don't want to. And I, and I feel heartbroken. I don't know if your audience or you have seen the video, which really bothered me a lot, was the parents who came with shotguns, who came with guns, who heard what was going on. Right. They hear the sh shots going in the classroom and, they, and they're saying, hey, if you're not going to save our kids, we go in there and, and they're trying to get in there and, and they're getting tased. They're getting arrested. They're getting pepper sprayed. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to see those videos, that is just heartbreaking to see that. And mm -hmm. and, and, and they're fighting them while they're standing outside the classroom where the parents are willing to go in there and save their kids. Wow. Well, these guys were not. So it's crazy. You know, I, I read an article about this when I think maybe it was after Sandy hook, but this mm -hmm. uh, kind of an intellectual guy. I have a certain amount of respect for, uh, he, he said he had done a study of some of these shootings and, and it's after Columbine. He said it, it seemed like, there was a lot of similarities after Columbine with a lot of the next shootings. It's like they're looking at some people are out there looking at well, what did they do there? You know, what kind of guns did they have? How did they do it? It seemed like there's at least, you know, I feel like you need to gather a little intelligence and, and, and study these individual mass shooters and see, you know, what motivates them and, and where do they come from and, and to really gather a lot of data about them and, and, then, I, I, you know, then when somebody pops up, now they have popped up on people's radar and they haven't done anything about it also in, in the last two years. So I don't know. It, it's a tough one. Uh, what uh, do you have any other, uh, what, what other? Yeah, suggestions? I have quite a few. I mean, that, that's part of it too. You have to have, um, there's a lot of good intel. I mean, a lot, of these, a lot of these shooters, one thing I noticed, a trend was, especially with the school ones, was they like to talk a lot. They were boast a lot. Yeah. You know, you, you, you had the Columbine guys were talking about what they were going to do. They were be posting. They were loners. Uh, and, and Cruz, another guy who, who out of Parkland, who he, he would he was referred a lot to, to the sheriff's office. And, and, and it fell yeah. through. And sometimes yeah. you have to let's say you don't have much other than a posting on social media of weapons. And I'm going to do this to the school or whatever. Right. You, you at least have to go out there and talk to the, the student and say what's going on. And, and this and this particular student was expelled. Mm -hmm was expelled. So that, that's the issues you have. A lot of sometimes they're expelled and they, they find ways to get back, but they know the, the flaws of the school system, right? Because they were there. Yeah, they, yeah. they know where to go and, and they come back and they do bad things. So um, yeah, I, I think there, there's a lot of mental health issues. Um, you know, another guy out of Virginia Tech, uh, Cho, you know, Virginia Tech took a lot of pride of calling himself a gun-free zone, right? Mm -hmm. So what, what does that mean? That, that means that good honest people can't protect themselves because those who are criminals, gang members, mental health issues, they're going to always they don't follow the laws. We know that. That's where the gang. That's where criminals, right? So a gun-free zone means they know we're not going to be armed because we can't. But they're going to come after us, and uh, they took pride in that. That was a sign. And then they realized that uh, it was horrible the way he goes in there. And he didn't have any long guns. He had all handguns, but he had a lot of magazines. Yeah, and he was reloading a lot and executing, shooting, killing people and stuff like that. But when finally confronted by the police, and this is a trend we see. He committed suicide, mm -hmm. just like Lanza did in Sandy Hook. And that one, they, they responded pretty quickly. But, you know, how did he get his guns? They said, well, you know, we need more, you know, restrictions, people with mental health issues on forms. Right. Yeah. But but you know what happens? There's so many workarounds around that where people either steal the guns, 
They have people lying on the forums to buy the guns for you, like straw purchasers, or like like Lanza did. Uh, he had mental health issues. He never got the treatment he ever did. Uh, his mom really never dealt with him. He he was really in an extreme situation. I was reading about in the book. He spent hours and hours in his room alone in a dark room, uh, had no friends. I mean, it was really a dark, bad place. This guy was in. Uh, he needed to get help. That's when and he had single mom didn't give it to him. Uh, what everything I was reading what appeared to be. And um, he, he, he snaps for whatever reason. Um, still not clear what happens. He takes her guns. She's sleeping and puts four bullets in her head, right? While she mm-hmm. sleeps and then goes to school and, and, and commits those atrocities out there at Sandy Hook. So he stole her guns. So, and, and yeah. you, you see a lot, a lot of the trends out there. You can put all the health aid, doesn't But these guys are, are enough, smart enough to know that they have issues and some of them don't want to get treatment, right? Because they feel they're going to get locked up or committed somewhere. So yeah. they, they don't. So those are some of the issues we have to deal with. It's it's not it's not easy. It's it's a very complicated issue. So you know. So what other trends can we do? I mean, I, I think with uh, active shooting with schools, uh, I think intelligence is important. A lot of kids see and hear what's going on. Yeah. Uh, they have to, they have to bring that up to the attention to the teachers, to the principal. The parents have to be involved. And if you see something, see something. You have to say something. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like a, a school. Talking about having a school resource officer or other officers assigned. Uh, mm-hmm. As I said before, we kind of talked about this. You you got to have the right policeman, as we find out. You can't have just that that uh, uh, drone, as we used to call him, that didn't want to do anything except get on the phone and call his girlfriend or go shopping and and right. stuff like that. You got to. And so most guys that that are active don't really want that job. But I, I would say, what do you think of this idea, Ignacio, is yeah. take, take a teacher, a principal, an assistant principal, and part of their job is be the intelligence officer for the school in a way. Yeah. And, and just that one central resource would have files. Now, civil rights Mets will go crazy on this, but you would have files that when somebody called in or stopped by or you picked up a tidbit from another kid who told another kid and came a rumor, you would write that down about whoever, you know, whatever it was. And, and then you start getting these names because what will happen is right. the same name comes up two or three times. Then you can red flag that kid or you can po- focus on that kid and really kind of monitor him, go around to his teacher, say, you know, what's the deal with this kid? Gather a little more in- intelligence about him. I mean, that's I'm an intelligence guy. And, I, I yeah. you know, what I do like you think that about that? No, I, I agree. I mean, the, the more tools you use, the better, because it's such a complex issue. Yeah. You know, yeah. That, and that's just the schools. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about some of the other things that happen like in Las Vegas and Orlando, Pulse Night Club. I mean, it, it just gets even more complicated, more bizarre, the more I was looking and, and seeing what's going on. Just in Buffalo alone at the supermarket, uh, how this guy came out, tacked out, and that was mass shooting, but it was some, I guess, racist motivation behind that one yeah. too. Um, I No, I, I definitely could tell you what also the idea of maybe, you know, I remember the airports when I was small, I mean, you can tell me more, uh, they, they were pretty easy to get through. Oh God! Yeah. Remember, <laughs> you just go right to the gate. Yeah, there just walk no right to the gate. Yeah, and then things have changed. So, do we need to change that to the schools also? Do we need to maybe apply, may fortify that also because maybe things have changed? Yeah, maybe it's it's a different era and different time we live in. Uh, I mean, the Second Amendment. I'm a very pro Second Amendment guy. Uh, we need to be able to defend ourselves. Uh, America makes the most weapons in the world. We are yeah. a gun consuming nation. Countries that used to make guns in Europe have come here. I mean, Glock, Six Sour, H&K, they make the weapons here now. 
because we consume so much. And if we don't, if they're American made, they're imported in. We like AK 47s too. And of course, we make the best rifles in the world, in my opinion, with the ARs t- style type rifles. So mm-hmm. they're everywhere, guns everywhere. So we maybe we should have a friend of mine who just retired from the military. He's a contractor and went to Israel. The first time he went there, he was telling me some stories. Do we need to maybe adapt more like the Israelis do with their schools and with their businesses where it is where like an airport where you're searching more, you're wanding more yeah. because they're under a siege pretty much with the Palestinians and the situation there and others, right? Uh, do we have to maybe do that more? I, I know those are things we have to think about because we don't want this anymore. Yeah, I, I, was, in, I was in Israel a few years ago and you would see groups of school kids on uh, some kind of a outing and there would be another guy. He would just look like a guy and he'd be carrying an M1 carbine or right. a, uh, what they call a Galil. That was the military mm-hmm. weapon over there and a little bit like AK, I think. And, and so they would always have some armed person with a group of kids because they had some Palestinians years ago break into a schoolhouse and, and yeah. execute all the kids. So they, they really got armed protection for their kids over there. I saw it in person. Yeah, that, that's something where, I mean, I know we, we're a much bigger nation. Obviously, they're, they're a small nation. We are over 345 million. So, and we have a history, like I said, the Second Amendment. We have the history being a frontier nation and we're a history of people have to defend themselves because you can't rely on other people to come and save you. We're independent people. But at school, I think we all want peace of mind, right? Yeah. We want to at least yeah. have our kids have peace of mind that they're safe and they're really? right. So I think um, there's a lot of funding that's been passed, but you know how that works in Congress. It got oh, passed, God. got signed, but how is it getting ciphered? How is this is really going to be executed? You know, devil's in the detail, right? Yeah. How, how is this really going to work? And, you know, we have so many schools. Is it really going to trickle down? Are they going to get the protection they need? Because as we speak, as we know, there's always a copycatter. Yeah, we got triggered. Yeah, we saw this. Yeah, and they're they're planning it right now. As, as right we speak. now, even as we right speak, now. they're thinking about it. They're thinking about. It, they're ready. They're in there. Look what happened in um, talking about mass shootings. There, great story. Not too far from where you're at in Indiana. Right, I just read that. Yeah, what what a hero, right? Yeah, uh, it, folks. It, if you haven't know, if you don't know about that, do you remember the yeah. more details? I didn't see many details other than there's some young guy that was armed at the mall and, and he wasn't your, and there's a gun free zone at the mall, by the way, he wasn't supposed to have a gun in the mall. And they had those signs uh, and uh, he, he took out the guy. I don't remember yeah. the, I don't know many more of the details. Do you know any, many more? C- CNN has a nice write up on him. Okay. If you want, and you see, they have his picture now all over. And I just, I read this morning. Uh, and uh, he's, I think he's early twenties. Yeah. He was uh, young the, guy. Young guy doesn't have uh, not prior military law enforcement, but his grandfather trained him with weapons, right? And he respect the firearms. And uh, he saw the guy shooting at the food court area, right? And he killed three people. And it would have been a lot worse. This yeah. could have been 10, 50, it could have been horrific, right? You don't know, yeah. He systematically approached him, came hailing, and he fired with it. He had the, the uh, shooter had an AR 15 uh, style r- a rifle, mm-hmm. and he had a, a Glock pistol. And uh, he fired his rounds and hit him. And I uh, took him out. So he had the courage enough to do something and uh, the, wh- how to do it. Because you don't want to go, you know, crazy at the guy. But he came strategically enough where he didn't see him, where he could shoot at him yeah. and get him, stop him from shooting. So that's, I think he's a hero for doing oh, that. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah. And and I think, you know, when people are armed, they can protect themselves. These gun-free zones, that, <laughs> yeah. that means that's bad news. And the guy armed himself in the bathroom, in the food court area, what, what it looks like. And then he, he came out of there ready to rock and roll. And, um, you know, 
that's that's a problem when people are, are not protecting themselves and armed. I mean, you saw it at the church uh, in Texas a few years ago. This the same thing. A yeah. guy came out yeah. there, and but people were armed and they were able to get their guns and and address the guy. Yeah. So, yeah, you you need to be armed. I mean, even as gun free zones and everything else, they have to change the policy. It takes too long for law enforcement to recover, and you have to have people protect themselves and stuff there. Yeah. So, I thought that was a great story. Why they should let these gun free areas? If you have a concealed weapons permit. You should be allowed to take it. One of the case laws that I was reading, and, and I started with the 1984 uh, McDonald's. I don't know if you saw this, or maybe you always can look at is is uh, James Hubbardy. Yeah, James Hubbardy. Uh, I don't know if you heard of him. Uh, he, he at the time it was the worst mass shooting in uh, in U.S. history. Uh, he hit the McDonald's. He had mental health issues. Had problems with the family. And a lot of times when you see mental health with because not everybody with mental health does these things, right? So I was reading some articles and I was talking to people who had background in psychology and psychiatry. And a lot of times they get triggered because they have a history of uh, domestic violence, mm-hmm. right? So they either do it or they've been victimized themselves. And you see that. I saw the pattern also. A lot of these guys have that, that issue there. They, they victimize people. They snap. That's part of it. So you have a combination of health and violence and, they, and it triggers that. And, and, and Hubbardy uh, was a guy. And then the numbers are very similar. It took law enforcement 77 minutes to do something because the guy was in the McDonald's. He was San Isidro. Um, he's Anglo and all the victims were Mexican, Mexican Americans. Right. Mm-hmm. And at the time they didn't want to talk about it, but he had worked in, um, in Mexico with his family a little bit. And there were some issues there that didn't work out for his employment. Mm-hmm. They, and a lot of people thought that maybe he had some resentment or something going on like that, but he also had stuff that wasn't right upstairs either. Yeah. So yeah. Um, he had some arguments with his family. Uh, he had, his, he took his, uh, he said he tried to get mental help. He had called, for treatment to get set up and they never called him back. I guess back then uh, they were looking up on the, in the white pages, but they misspelled his name and they couldn't find this number to call him back. And he, he, uh, I guess going to his daughter and the wife, what he told the police later, he said, oh, I, I gave him a chance. I gave these people a chance to help me. And this is their statement. He, they didn't help me. Yeah. So yeah. they thought him, he, he had an Uzi rifle with high capacity magazines. He had a, 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 um, a um, 12 gauge pump shotgun and he had a, uh, some pistols and they thought he was going to range or something. And he said, you're probably not going to see me again. And they said, what? And, and off he went. Um, he was looking around. He went to a McDonald's. And uh, that's where he started his rampage. Uh, Falling Down kind of copy. Remember the movie Falling Down with uh, Michael Douglas? Oh, yeah, yeah. The shooting? Yeah. It, it, it kind of copies a little bit of what happened in San Isidro. And that's near San Diego. This is 84. It was such a big thing that happened because the casualties were so high that it shifted California from being in the middle to be an extreme blue state with these uh, extreme gun uh, gun laws, oh, it, 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 it changed a lot. It really changed California life in the wrong ways because at the same time, it empowered the criminals in the street gangs, and they began to flourish because the average person couldn't protect themselves. And it's not you know you take away all all the guns. Well, these guys are still going to have guns because everywhere you can still yeah. catch them and everything else. So he, he committed a house of horrors in there. Uh, there was so many errors. You, you can look it up that made dispatcher send the uh, police to the wrong. McDonald's, oh, yeah, she, the, the one that had it, it's in like three miles away. So what happened was he had an extra 10, 15 minutes of extra shooting mm-hmm. and you had people coming in who had no idea what was happening. And you can look at the horror stories you had an elderly couple that came in. He blasts the, uh, the, the, the grandmother in the face. And then he blasts the, uh, the he shoots a, uh, the, uh, the grandfather in the head. Uh, you had a family comes in, he shoots the baby in the back. Uh, three kids riding the bike, trying to get a Sunday. He starts shooting them with his Uzi. Uh, kills two or three of them laying on the floor and they you know, they go there on a Sunday together Sunday and look what happens. They, they, mm-hmm. they get crushed. 
uh, they take so long by the time they set up a perimeter. Very similar, 38 eight years later, what happened here in Ovalde, right? They, they, the police later would say, hey, we have 38 revolvers. This guy had an Uzi semi-automatic, high capacity. He had a shotgun. We were outgunned. Yeah, but these people are getting uh, uh, killed in here. Yeah, so he, yeah. he he spends a lot of time in there. They're still just surrounding. So, you know, according to reports, he then goes to the kitchen area because, you know, okay, let me see who else is around here. He finds all the employees are hiding in the kitchen. He gets out his shotgun. He starts killing them while they're begging for their lives and screaming out to kill them. And he kills all them too. That's why the body count just keeps on getting higher and higher and people are bleeding out. Eventually, they wait for a SWAT team because they, they didn't go in. These cops didn't go in. They wait for a SWAT team. And even the SWAT team didn't go in because they weren't sure because all the windows had uh, spidered out, right? Because yeah. of all the shooting. Yeah. They couldn't see what was really going on. They, they didn't know where he was. They, they had no idea. Uh, this is all the things that I was talking about. So a, a SWAT member had set up across the street, which is pretty cool. And he, he had a good vision enough. He took one shot, shot him in the middle of the chest, and took him out. Oh, really? Life. Yeah, one shot took him out. That was it. In fact, they said they, the shot was right in the chest. It, it, he, he bounced off his, his feet and right to the floor, and that was it. He died instantly, uh-huh. and that was it. But it was 77 minutes, and a lot of people bled out. A lot of the witnesses say, a lot of lawsuits that said, they should have come in earlier. They could have saved more lives. The police had to say that, oh, within the first 10 minutes, all the shooting happened. And, and a witness had said, uh, no, that, that, that wasn't the case at all. So McDonald's was sued also, right? And they won in court because the, the case law is they have no responsibility for our protection. It's, it's on you. It's, it's really, they take your money, but they're not responsible to protect you at all. There's, they don't have to put security, they don't have to do anything. It's, it's you, you know, pretty much buyer beware. Be careful you come in your, on your own risk type of thing. So a lot of these places, they take your money, they don't have the response to protect you, and then they put these signs on it so you can't bring weapons in it either. Yeah, so that's, interesting. Yeah. That, 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 that's, that's a bad problem. That's a problem. That, that's what we call security theater. <laughs> no no gun-free zone, schools and all that. That's just security theater is all that is. That, that, that prevents no bad people from bringing guns in. Yeah, that's, that's it. It's just, it just you know, makes you nervous and victimizes you. And uh, you feel like yeah, maybe I shouldn't come here. Maybe I'll be doing a lot more delivery and stuff because <laughs> it, because the bad guys pick up on that. And uh, oh, yeah. I've, I've been oh, doing yeah. a lot of these shows and just talking to people. You know, they're not going to hit a bank with armed security, right? No, no, they no. They're going to hit soft targets. Yeah, that's uh, even even the the nutcases. They 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 know enough to not go hit a hard target. Uh, no. just, you know, they're going to find the soft target, the easy one. The easy one, they go to the mall. There's nobody at the mall. They search signs anywhere. No guns allowed. Ooh, I like that place. Yeah. And, and that's what they do. And and, and that's in, and because they're crazy, but they, they can function, right? Yeah. They have mental health issues, but yet they can function enough to do things. And they do these things. I mean, Paddock was a perfect example in Las Vegas. Um, he was a successful uh, business entrepreneur in, yeah, in real that, estate. That was a strange suspect there for this kind of a deal. Man. Oh my! I, I saw the video. I don't know if you've seen the videos, but I was when I was reading a book. I started looking at all the videos that they put together timeline um, in the hotel. I mean, he did like four or five trips coming back. He was a heavy gambler. Yeah. He was kind of a loner. He would play these weird little internet games there, which which was fine. But he he, he wasn't. Uh, he had some other issues, and then but he would have the employees. He would who bring like bags and bags. He didn't live too far. I think he lived in a small town north of las vegas i think so, so yeah. for four four days he would drive back and forth with like six seven bags all full of of his arsenal his cashier <laughs> weapons yeah and yeah. and the employees at at the uh, at the hotel will help him load you see the video 
loaded to his room. He had a monster suite that looked over the concert venue. Yeah. And then he took the room over and extra it also. He planned and, that. Uh, yeah, no, no. And I know the hotel um, was sued, Mandalay Bay, and they, they had to, they, they did settle. They did settle. Did they? they did settle. Yeah. It looks like there because there, there were some issues with him and, and what happened. And he, he even had cameras set up the hotel room so he could see who was coming down the hallway. I, I remember that. That, that yeah, and, and that's the reason. He's the reason of, why we don't have bump stocks anymore, because of of him. He used them on on his semi automatic yeah. rifles to make them shoot like they were fully automatic, and because of him, we have them now. They're illegal. And if you have one, you're looking up to ten years in federal prison for having that. Oh, because, really? I didn't, I didn't know they they actually passed the law. I knew they were talking about it. It's uh, yeah, they passed it. They, <laughs> now, actually, they have to pass a law. A ATF was able to view that and uh, make it illegal within oh, within house yeah. so darn, if you look yeah. yeah if you look it up the, the the bump stocks are illegal for you to have so it, it probably fits in under the regular uh automatic fully automatic rifle uh uh gun law the existing law i guess but yeah so, even that i mean that's you know uh, uh you take an ar you can shoot it just as fast you can pull the trigger yeah, exactly. There's not much difference. There are people that are something, nothing magical about fully automatic. No. Matter of fact, it's harder to control. <laughs> very hard. It, start, it starts hard. going up on you and, and it's really hard to control. Whereas you can fire as many bullets as a, with a semi-automatic with a good quality semi-automatic is, is an automatic practically and with a lot more control. So, you know, again, it's just kind of security theater there. That's, you know, during the thirties, they, uh, bank robbers started using these Tommy guns out of Tommy World, guns, yeah. World War One uh, uh, surplus Tommy guns, machine guns, and so they said, "Hey, we got to ban all those machine guns." Or they didn't really and ban them; you just have to pay a big tax on them. You know, funny the NFA, the National Firearms Act, that passed because of those gangsters back in Al Capone and those guys. Yeah, it was a two hundred dollar uh, uh, tax you had to pay on that, right? Stamp tax. Yeah. yeah. It's the same price today. It never, never changed. That was a lot of money back then. Yeah, it was a lot of money. It was it was a prevention back then in a way, but it really was only a prevention for normal people. I know, like they those yeah. gang those gangs, what uh, Bonnie and Clyde, what Clyde did. They just broke into armories and stole those BARs. He used a BAR uh, uh, in a lot of his robberies and his shootouts and. He just broke into an armory and, and stole them and then went on. That was, <laughs> you know, there, yeah. there is no way you can, law cannot protect you when it comes down to it. I, I no. would say the law. That, that's, you, no you, law you brought that up. Interesting about armories uh, real quick. Uh, when I was leaving uh, the ATF headquarters and I had retired, uh, we have a big epidemic also with, uh, and you saw a lot of it also with Floyd and, and the riots in Minneapolis that the FFLs, the federal farms licensee, the gun shops, a lot of these guys get hit all the time. Oh, yeah. And a lot yeah. of guns are stolen. Yeah. A lot of guns are stolen. And the ones who get hit the most, I'd say, are the ones who don't lock up their inventory at night. Mm -hmm. They see them. They leave it overnight. You know, come in the morning. Oh, you're leaving the glass cases. You don't, you don't lock its things up. So they know they can ram it in, bring a truck, do what they can, and clear house. I think there has to be, and that's just my opinion, I think there should be legislation there to require these FFLs to be more responsible and lock up their inventory. 
Yeah. Because you, that's, to me, it's negligence to leave them out there. I mean, we have a, we have a huge problem with that in the country also. Yeah, because those are what we call become what you guys refer to as crime guns. Those stolen yeah. guns like that, those yeah. become crime guns. Those, they yeah. do not come. Uh, they not come out to the suburbs and where people take them out to the bullet hole range and, and have a little fun with their handgun. Those become crime guns. No, they're, they're, these are gangsters. They're, I mean, anybody that does anything like that, it's a criminal. When they, when they plan stuff like that, and we have so many, unfortunately, that do stuff like that because they see that. And if I had a business like that, I wouldn't be responsible. But unfortunately, yeah. you don't. You don't have that. You don't have that. So that's that's many ways. How do people get those guns? That's a, that's a big way too. That's that's a big way, and they end up traveling far. You get the right hands, and they go far. And I used to buy a lot of guns when I worked undercover like that that were stolen. Uh, you were stolen from FFLs from residents. You know, especially yeah. people's homes. Yeah. You, you you find out a lot of people don't even know the serial numbers of their guns. It's it's no. amazing. Yeah. Yeah, they, they don't know, know their numbers. Yeah. They don't have an inventory there. And, and I hate to say it, their guns aren't secure in the house. Yeah. And these people come in and take and clear and stuff. And it's it's amazing. Little things can make a difference in, in the big picture. But there's a lot of little things that has to be done. Yeah, and uh, I used to buy a lot of stolen guns on the street. We, we have a uh, entertainment district here with a lot of bars in it. And they right. learned that there's a lot of people don't can't take your guns into a bar. So there's a ton of guns in those cars in the parking lot. And they just, <laughs> they've been ripping You're those right. things. That's another issue. You're absolutely right. People don't secure their guns either. Yeah. That, that I, they just leave it in the middle console. They don't put it in the lockbox. They don't have yep. nothing. It's, right. it's just nothing. continues to be. So and they know that these criminals know that. They, they take notes. They're not stupid. No. That's unfortunate. <laughs> their, their bad decision was become a criminal. But some of these guys that they, they know how to be they know how to make money being a criminal. Yeah. Keep There's, it keep it kept me employed for 26 years. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> job security, as we used to say. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Especially these professional criminals. That was really job security. <laughs> yeah. Repeat. I used to, I made a career on that. Repeat violent offenders. Yeah. <laughs> just kept on coming back yeah. over and over yeah. buying. They, they don't learn. They don't learn. Some of them hopefully learn. I mean, I've been doing a lot more of these shows and some of these guys seem like maybe that they've gotten their act together. I hope they have. But, <laughs> yeah. They get to be a certain age. That's what we used to notice <laughs> is you get up around 60, you just can't do another 10 year bid or five year oh. bid. You just, you just can't take That's it brutal. anymore. So they'll, you know, I, I've got a friend here in Kansas City that has become my friend, and and he did ten years, uh, uh, and when he was about thirty, I know about thirty five, so he's forty five, and I I really didn't get to know him until he's about fifty five or sixty now, and he he I can tell he can't do it again. Uh, we talk a lot, and and he ain't gonna do it again because he does not want to do that bid. When he was thirty, he was happy to take the risk, but wow, yeah. Don't do the crime if you can't do the time. Do the time. Right? Yeah, but yeah. Our friend Beretta said. Yeah, man. <laughs> or, be, or be able to get a not guilty for killing your wife. <laughs> Unbelievable, huh? I'm sorry, Robert. What's his name? Blake. <laughs> Rob Blake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, right, that's so it's, this gun thing, though, and these school shootings, I just, I, I don't know. You know, I you don't even have grandkids in grade schools anymore. That's the most heart rendering deal yeah. is the grade schools that's just it's just so beyond the pale there's been two grade schools that i know of i don't know if there's been any others and it's just i, I just can't i i don't know that's that would be that if you could just prevent them in all grade schools <laughs> in some yeah. matter yeah start with that i i think like i said with the funding and and and, and i think you have to fortify these schools 
Uh, you have to fortify the schools. And more security is important, uh, having the intel out there. But your fortification, because in elementary school, obviously, these are outsiders coming in. Yeah. Both times you need it. So you, you have to have uh, the teachers or principals, somebody within school immediately armed, prepared to address this threat and, yeah. and, and, and ready to do it. Because like I said, when the police come out there, if they want to do something, like they said, sometimes yeah. they do, yeah. sometimes yeah. they don't. So it, it's it's very tragic, uh, the whole situation there. But like I said, perfect example, if, you're, if your audience had a chance, go see what happened in Indiana recently. And as somebody who's motivated, trained, can stop a shooter, that's what you're looking for. So a good guy with a gun can always stop a bad guy with a gun. And, yeah. and, and that's, yeah. a whole, that's a whole idea right there. Yeah, to, to stop, these, stop these crazies. Because it's, 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 it's not normal to want to kill children like that. I yeah, see children. Yeah. Some, there's something wrong. You're off, and that that's just not part of the human condition. No, and, and, and something went off, and, yeah, and, and you didn't get the sure. help you needed. But I, I like that your analogy there of, of really make a school like an airport. Yeah. yeah. When's the last time you saw a shooting at an airport? Make a school like an airport. And, it's hard. And, uh, you know, you can just have that one access. Make a little bit uncomfortable for people, but you know they have, you to, have to. But you have to make that one access, and then have that access really tight, and, and then have somebody, a couple of people inside with a gun at least. You know, you know, every teacher doesn't want to carry a gun, but I, I bet any school you could find, you'll find at least one or two. Yeah, uh, I, I think so. I think people, prior military, law enforcement, reservists, yeah. uh, gun enthusiasts. Uh, there's always one or two in every school and and, and you need them out there now. This is the times we live in Gary. And, um, and uh, we're not going to change. We're a second amendment. We have guns out there. Like I said, there's so many out there and there's so I just list just a few. I mean, I didn't even talk about gun shows. I didn't talk about flea markets. I didn't talk about private sales. A lot lot of these guys go online. You go and say, Hey, uh, I I like those guns you have. Let me meet you in the parking lot at X, Y, and Z. And they may may even check your ID. Yeah. And there, here you go. Here's all your guns you wanted. So I know, I know. That's, gun control is we're, we're, we're way past gun control. Oh, yeah. There's no mm-hmm. way you can control guns. That's over. That, that ship has sailed. So now you just yes. have to harden the targets and, and, yes. and try to do the best you can as far as like uh, churches and, you know, a lot of churches like that church down in Texas. I know my wife works for a church and they just uh, mm-hmm. put out a call. They want to at least identify who might have a gun at their Sunday morning service so that each person who has one knows, you know, the other person that has one. And there were a few that, you know, said, yeah, I, I carry a gun. So that's uh, smart. Uh, you know, that uh, you got, you got to think of people have to think about it. They have to put it up front in, in any place where you have a gathering of people, uh, you got to mm-hmm. be thinking about that. A lot of places, shopping malls, there's, there's no way, you know, you just no way you just have, you're taking your risk when you go to a shopping mall. You are. And like they said, the, the case law is based off to happen McDonald's. They're not responsible for your security. Yeah. For your protection. They're not. You're, you're on your own risk. You go out there on your own risk. You know, that's one thing after uh, 9-11. Uh, the air marshal program really wasn't where it should have been. And so they start spending money. And as a force multiplier, us as agents, since we were trained, we would be helping the pilots say, listen, I'm on this seat here. And yeah. this da, 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 is going on. So we were a for- force multiplier. I mean, that's something else they can do at schools, volunteers. Uh, I think a lot of parents with a background might want to be volunteers also yeah. helping out at the schools. You know, we volunteer for everything else. Yeah. Why not? Right. Yeah, that's so, true. That's true. I think that's right. where we're at. Where a lot of parents would rather volunteer and say, hey, listen, 
then then go through that again. That's that's just awful, awful. But I I do recommend your audience to watch the video from what happened at Rob Elementary. It's it is seventy seven minutes. It's all out there, but it is just you scratch your head, you know. And, and I think when I'm mistaken, one of the guys in there that was there, his daughter was in the room. Oh God, that's just awful. Yeah, that is. I'd be like, you know what? I'm going in. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't it's care. It's tough. I don't know. You, you can you can fire me later if you want. I guess. <laughs> yeah. and, and I heard the chief is going is going to get fired. I would imagine. Yeah, he, he yeah. showed a definite lack of leadership on that deal. Yeah. All right, Ignacio Esteban, retired ATF you, author. We appreciate you coming on, and and I feel like we have some. I I feel like I have some responsibility to people out here. I did a little bit of a after one of the I think the Sandy Hook. I did a sh- shooting show and. Just okay. kind of in general, and you're more like an expert, and you've got some definite, definite uh, ideas that you know yeah. are workable, or are doable, or are attainable that would at least help. Like we said, there's not been any shootings in airports. I don't see any shootings in courthouses anymore. Any place where they lock things down to one entry, yes, sir. one particular entry, and you can't just go in and out of side doors, and no. somebody's standing there. That's, you know, that would be a big one right there just to, to really shut them down. And that's how that guy, Uvalde, got in is a side door they left open. Side door. And we might see that at the malls too now. Yeah, could because be. there's so many ways in and out of the malls. It's just, yeah. you watch what this guy did recently at Indiana. Um, it makes you scratch your head. It's like uh, we're not protected the malls either. Even though there's somewhat security out there, what are they going to do really? Yeah, I mean, it's going to yeah. take a while. I mean, it's 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 really a difficult situation there. So is, yeah. I think they need to. Re- my other solution is let us. You know, we have a concealed weapons permit. Let people be armed and don't make it like, yeah. oh, it's yeah. gun free. That's that's another situation where yeah, it's like, yeah. why why do you want to get me a felony for want to protect my family? <laughs> really, it just like I said, security theater is all that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, thanks a lot, Ignacio. I appreciate it, and you guys out there. Uh, Watch out for motorcycles, and if you are a vet and you have a problem with uh, PTSD, get a hold of your local Veterans Administration. They have a hotline. You got help there, and uh, we appreciate it, Ignacio. Thanks a lot. Okay. Until next time. Thank you. Take care.